guys. Welcome back to the Recalibrating Podcast. I am your host, Mallory Brown, and I am so stoked to have my friend Tori Poles with me this morning. Um, Tori and my friendship, gosh, I don't really know when it birthed a couple of years ago, but it's been really unique to watch her take on, at least in these past two seasons, two different teams and step into a unique role of just leading out women, not always necessarily being like the lone wolf that's like directing the girls in any facet, but she's just got in my opinion, one of the most servant-driven hearts I've ever seen. She's got this ability to kind of show up with the team and just say, God, use me. And it's been really sweet of God to kind of let me walk alongside her in the journey of just transitioning from team to team. And I swear she sits up with this open-handed posture just saying, God, like, I don't know what's in store, but I'm obedient to the call and the assignment for the season. And so it's just fun to now watch her on the third team, in essence, in three years, um, and just let's hear a little bit about her story. So Tori, thanks for being on our podcast this morning. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to kind of intro to this space. Um, who is Tori Foles? How would you define and answer that question in this season, perhaps even? Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be on and I'm honored that you asked me. Um, so who is Tori Foles? I feel like that's such a, you know, tough question. Like, who are you? And I feel like there's different ways to answer it. Like, what is my identity in or just who I am. But when I think about it in this realm, I just figure like I should just introduce myself. So um, my name is Tori Foles. I was born in California, um, northern part of Orange County, and grew up most of my life there, or all my life there as a, as a kid. Um, one of three, two older brothers, like five and seven years older than me. So I was the baby of the family, um, and growing up with two older brothers was, well, as a little kid, I was like, I just want a sister so bad, but I'm thankful for it now because I think it taught me a lot, and I'm grateful for it. Um, I danced growing up, like, for, like, 12 years, and then once I hit high school, I was pretty tall, and I wanted to try something new, so I played, started playing volleyball, and then that led me to go to the University of Arizona. Um, on a scholarship and play volleyball there for four years, which is where Nick and I met. Um, but we were just friends in college. We didn't really start dating till just after college. Um, so it was cool to kind of have a friendship start our relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I went to work at Nike, the Nike headquarters in um, Beaverton, Oregon, and lived in Portland. And that was probably about a year and a half. And then I kind of had some trials knock me over. I got really sick um, with an illness that I literally just came out of nowhere, um, which I'm sure we'll get to that because I think one of the questions is based on that. Mm -hmm. um, but from there, you know, Nick and I had been together probably a year and a half by then. And then um, that was kind of a whole journey. And then during that time, we got engaged, married, didn't even have a wedding. So we have a, a different story than most. Um, and then from there have lived in six different cities in the last, well, I guess five, cause one of them was two different times. Mm -hmm. So five different cities, but six different moves in the last seven years. So, um, yeah, now I'm married to Nick, two little kids, three-year-old and a five month old, um, three-year-old girl, five month old boy. And we're currently residing in Chicago, mm -hmm. suburbs just up above the city, and live here part of the year, in California part of the year. Um, 
and Nick is currently on the Bears. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, I forgot you worked in Nike. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Portland, I it's on my list of wanting to go there. I'm a big advocate of John Mark Comer and that's where he resides. And I just, took, I would love to go listen one day just to him preach in the flesh. Um, and just it's an awesome eat, city. Yeah. Eat my way through Portland. I mean, it just, oh, cool. yeah. okay. So then in college, were you walking in any lane of Christianity or in a kind of a sports like ministry? It was Nick's, was that Nick's journey and yours separate or did you kind of come to, into faith together? I would say, we were just friends at that time. So that was separate for us during that time of our life. But I became, I grew up in a Christian household. So Mm -hmm. my mom was raised Catholic and then she converted to Christianity when we were really young. I have no idea how old we were at that time, but she wanted, she wanted more of the personal relationship with God. Um, You know, that's, that was what she was kind of hungry for. And so she kind of led our household in that way from that time um, put us into, we were, we went to a Christian school growing up. Um, so it, it's, it's like what I knew from the, like, I don't remember a time where that wasn't a part of it. So I went to summer camps where like, you would walk up to the fire and commit your life to Christ. And I feel like I did that like 25 times. Like, <laughs> and I, you, like, you would just do it every time because you'd be like, I, need, I guess I need to do it again. Like, what if I wasn't saved last time, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you would just do, you would just do it again. And you're like a kid. So that's kind of all I knew growing up. Um, we'd go to church every Sunday. I would, it was just what I knew. So I would fight going to church. I'm too tired. I don't want to get out of bed. Like, let's skip this Sunday, you know. But I, I wasn't necessarily grateful for it at that time because I didn't even realize, you know, what the, what the, the flip side was. So um, it was just what I knew. But I wouldn't say it was like my own thing that I leaned on probably until college a little bit when I had some trials with like just playing D1 sports and you know that can be a difficult thing um and then I went to like athletes in action in college FCA that type of stuff went to FCA in high school my mom actually brought FCA to our high school which was pretty cool oh, that's neat yeah and she like worked with FCA and she was like the one that brought it to our high school when my brothers were in and she, are the first how ha- the first like meetings of FCA were held like at our house with a speaker and I remember like coming home from dance in my ballet outfit and like running around and all the high schoolers were there like with the speaker so that was kind of cool um that she did that but yeah so it, it's what I knew but it it didn't become my own until I started going through things where that was challenged and Nick that was his his own journey too and obviously he has his his whole story but no, I wouldn't say we were like going through our faith together in college because we weren't like, that wasn't our relationship yet. Okay, that's good. So in college is when trials started to surface that you would define as trials. I'm sure we can all say we had trials up until those like the big, there's like yeah. a monumental trial that like really defines like, what am I banking on at this point? Mm-hmm. So what, if you feel led, like what, maybe was the pinnacle moment where you wanted to create not your parents' faith, but Tori's faith from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say like there was stuff that started to happen in college. And I think part of that is just like, you're on your own more. You're totally becoming an adult. Like you can't depend on things you depended on when you lived at home and were a kid. Um, But I feel like more so it came into being like after college when I was living in Portland, um, like loved life, 
lived in a in an apartment in the city like drove to work at nike worked in um, the digital merchandising like it was just so cool it was the coolest job you know it was me i was like just starting my career i didn't know exactly where it was going to go but you know had a lot of aspirations and hopes for that and then i started i mean literally i was at like a, a concert it was a leanne rhymes concert like in Portland outside in the summer drinking some wine with friends and just listening to Leanne Rhymes and then I like felt like I was going to pass out and I was like that's weird I've never had that sensation before mm-hmm. and I was like oh you know I'm drinking wine it's hot probably a little dehydrated um just didn't know what was going on and then I it kind of kept happening so I like went to a spin class at 6 a.m that next Monday obviously didn't think anything was wrong with me because I went to a spin class at 6 a.m. And then had breakfast, driving to work, like almost passed out driving. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, and then I just like drove straight to the doctor because I was like scared. I like, I live here alone. I have no family here. And I'm like, Nick was in Philly um, where his career was starting. So I had seen this doctor actually like two weeks prior because I had a weird head cold that where I had ear pain. Mm-hmm. And that only reason I went to the doctor is because I had ear pain. And I was like, I just want to make sure I don't have an ear infection or if I need, you know, antibiotics or something. And so I just went back to that doctor. This is the only doctor I had in that area. And um, I, I mean, he couldn't figure out what was going on. He was like, you, I think you have anxiety. And I was like, I've never, I don't even know what anxiety is. Like, I was at a point in my life where I had never experienced that. And I probably thought it was like something fake, which anxiety is 100% real, but I just had no, I didn't have anxiety. I didn't even know what that felt like. Mm -hmm. I had anxiety because I felt terrible (laughs) when when you're sick and you don't know what's wrong with you, you have anxiety. Yeah. So that was the start of a long journey going to doctor after doctor after doctor telling me I had anxiety or depression. And because they couldn't figure out what was wrong, they couldn't figure out why every time I stood up, my heartbeat was beating like a hundred beats per minute for no reason. I had no blood flow to my head, throwing up every morning when I woke up, still trying to go to work and just like make it happen. Um, And then finally I talked to my aunt who worked for a neurologist. And when I told her about my symptoms that I was having, she was like, you, you sound like you have POTS, which is this disorder of the autonomic nervous system. So any normal functioning autonomic nervous system, like you, when you, lie down and then you like when you get up in the morning your heart rate and blood pressure automatically neutralize as they were when you were lying down and the blood goes to your head evenly throughout your body because most people have more blood in their limbs when they're lying down but when you get up it balances because your autonomic nervous system tells it to Mm -hmm. and nothing is different but somebody with POTS or autonomic dysfunction when they get up it's not telling their body to do that something got off balance in the brain So more of the blood remains in the limbs and starts pooling in the limbs. And then the blood pressure changes, either tanks or rises. And then the heart rate speeds up to compensate for that. So your body literally is acting like a lion is chasing it. Like it's in fight or flight, but a lion's not chasing it. And your mind knows that a lion's not chasing it, but is acting as if that is happening. So nausea, headaches, fatigue, can't stand up for more than a minute like everything the autonomic nervous system like controls your body but most people don't even know what it is um so that's what was happening to me and I couldn't function I couldn't go on anymore I finally got diagnosed with it had to move 
quit my job, leave Nike, um, move home, live with my parents to just try to like figure it out and just, I, cause I needed help day to day. Um, so that was a huge, obviously a huge test. Like everything as I knew it had changed. Like when you lose your health, you lose everything. You can't, you know, so, I mean, you don't lose everything because that's what I'm getting to. Like your identity shouldn't only be in your health, but you lose what you knew to be your everyday. So then you're like, what, who am I really? What am I supposed to do? What is my path now? Like, I know, I knew I wasn't going to be that sick forever. Like I knew I was going to get somewhere, but I didn't really know because I didn't know what, how was I going to get better? You hear stories of people just in wheelchairs for the rest of the time or women that go on and they're like running marathons. Like there's a wide range of like the symptoms and the severity. Yeah. I didn't, so it was a dream. Yeah. Well, no, I, I just, I guess I, I feel like for some reason we did know like loosely know each other. Cause I remember you were still in it, like in the struggle, yeah. I think maybe way back when, when I first was able to like learn your story, you would just come out of like learning how to manage and maintain pots. Right. Um, right. So, okay. In like very simple language, your life gets wrecked, right? So you have to mm -hmm. leave everything you know to be true, which seemed like the dream job, great, like out of college experience. And you go home, like with a hard reset to take care of your health. Well, I mean, what do you, what's your default posture of prayer of like meditation? Like, how do you, I mean, cause I feel like for and knowing you, you're a very fit, like lively individual, like just to have that all taken away from you would probably mm -hmm. crush your spirit initially. Like what did, what did it even look like? Was there someone that was just like keeping you on like the spiritual compass of like look no, look north continually or was it more like your own like internal battle with god that, that got you through like one day at a time like what do you what do you do in that sense where it all literally gets pulled out from under you i think it was both like it was an internal battle but i was i i definitely wasn't at the point with my faith where that's what i went to right away you know oh. like i feel like now i'm at the point with my faith where even though that's like a very scripted answer, like, oh, I go to my faith. Like, no, even if now there would be anger, there would be struggle, but I would go to that pretty quickly because, you know, of what I've, what I've seen trials produce thus far. But at that point, I was not at that point to just go to that. I was confused, angry. I don't even know if I thought of that, to be honest right when it was happening because i was just like i can't even function i ha i have to figure this out mm -hmm. i have to go see the right doctor i have to work harder to because when you go to a doctor for this disease like the first thing they say is like you have to try to work out for a minute a day even if you can't stand up because you have to still condition your body and try to build strength and in other words rest does nothing oh. like rest does not heal the disease so Yes, there are times where you need to rest because there's a line where if you, you're overworked, you're going to have more symptoms. But that in itself, it's not like getting like mono or something where literally just go lay in bed for three months and that will help. That is not what helps. That will actually just worsen it. So I was at this point of like, I have so much to do and so, so far to go and I don't know what to do and I need to work hard and I can't be weak and I can't, I was a D1 athlete. So I was I knew I was strong, you know, I'm not going to just like succumb and be weak and be like, oh, I'm sick. Someone take care of me. Like, no, I didn't want anything to be wrong with me. I was like, 
almost in denial about it. So it was much more anger and like, what can I do in my own power? And I have to figure this out somehow. And I, Nick was probably, cause he was already at a mature point in his faith. Um, he would probably tell you he was at like the beginning of that, but compared to me, he was, you know, ahead. And he was definitely the one that like kept me believing and kept, kept me or kind of got me on the right track with like, this, this is how we're going to handle this. Not, not this way, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I just obviously prayer and like depending on the people around me and like accepting that this was going on and that I'm just going to figure it out. But I'm also very like type A and motivated. And that it's what's ironic is a lot of like pots is like 90. It's like one in 10 is like a man who gets it. So it's mostly women. Uh-huh. And then it's a lot of like type A personalities. It's just weird. So a lot of it's like these women that are type A, like hard workers. And then all of a sudden they're like hit with it. So I had that too. So you're trying to do a lot in your own power and trying to figure it out when you can't, you know. For sure. I mean, what when Nick was like your constant, right? Like just like encouraging and perfectly like walking alongside you in it. Was there any one thing he said that would like help like reboot your faith for the day? Or was it just because he was consistent in his efforts? Like what what was it that helped him be like, helped you just stay I don't know. Like, I feel like it's so hard for you not to just like, be like, I, I surrender. Yeah. Like what kept you on this like steadfast journey to like find a solution and, or just like not surrender. Uh, I would say, I would say just, it wasn't necessarily one thing that he said. I mean, he would say encouraging things every day, but it was just like how strongly he believed that everything was going to be okay and that God had a purpose and that there wasn't reason to worry about it. Um, you know, even saying things like, I know one day you'll be 100% healed. Um, and just his like steadfast belief in that was seeing somebody else that you're so close to have that belief makes it more possible, like for you to have that belief. You know what I mean? Even though like what's most important is, your belief, obviously, because I'm the one that was going through it, but it really helped to see somebody else believe so strongly with like, with no doubt. Totally. Well, it sounds, I feel like in deep trials, oftentimes, like you need the assurance of somebody else's like belief for yourself. Like, because Mm -hmm. in your own flesh, you're like, there's no way. So like, exactly. So like certain the security of his faith, no doubt sounds like it was definitely like a pivotal moment for you to just say, like, if he's so solid in this, like, perhaps mm-hmm. I should be too. So was, would you say that was kind of your turn to being like, I'm all in, you know, or was it in the, yeah. When did it really like in part, like this is one, I want to bank everything and anything beyond this point of the POTS trial, like on your, yeah. when did that happen? Honestly, I feel like that's been a consistent journey. You know what I mean? Like, I can't think of one time, like, Oh, this was the day that, I went 100% all in. It's because I still deal. Hold on, Lily. Sorry, three-year-old. Um, I still deal. Yeah, I still deal with it every day. Um, even though I'm much more, it's still something that I deal with every day. And there's so many people out there that deal with autoimmune disease or chronic illness or, you know, whatever whatever trial that's ongoing. That's not been fixed and that there's not a simple fix for um 
so it's it's an ongoing process for me and it's like a continuous it's continually having to stay in the spirit and having to believe um that heal of, of course believing that healing is possible is motivating and like keeps you going but also just believing that god has my best intentions and that he everything he does is for his good and believing that whatever is his will i have to be okay with is a constant like process for me and it's an effort for sure because there's time there's weeks where i'll have a bad week or a bad day or like where i literally can't go do this thing because symptoms are too severe that day or that week or i just need to rest or whatever um and it's really frustrating i feel like i get less frustrated now because i'm like used to it but that's still a constant that still puts me back in frustration and anger and sometimes even doubt you know so it's like a thorn in my side it's like a thorn in your side that you constantly have that you have to battle but that you're actually thankful for i mean any day i would if god would like to take it from me i would be all in on that but you know it's a thorn in your side that sometimes you can be grateful for or really all the time you should be grateful for because it keeps me in line and keeps me having to put full faith and trust in god that's so good i mean i think yeah i feel like it creates and fosters this like holy dependence on you remembering like you're not in control and like exactly um, yeah he's assigned a health I mean, I hate to say that, but it, this is an assignment on your life right now, like walking through pots. And mm-hmm. have you seen um, just how you've handled it? Have you, by like default, like people learned about it, you like walking through yeah. your new life? Have you been able to like share and encourage and equip other women or men that walk through it? Yeah, there's been so many occurrences. And like, just with like the amount of times we've moved, like I literally everywhere that we've moved, I come across like at least three other women and I'll like literally meet them randomly somewhere. And they either have POTS or because it's much more common than people understand. um, It's just underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed and people aren't aware of it. Um, It's like a hundred, one in 100 teens now have it. Like teen girls. Yeah. So and it's mostly women, so it's totally hormonal and stuff like that. But anyway, everywhere we've moved, I come across someone who either has it or is like trying to get diagnosed and they get diagnosed because they met me. Um, it's everywhere we move. You could ask Nick too. Like, we're just like, that was not coincidence. Like, that is unbelievable, you know? And then just like, um, I've been voc- vocal about it, you know? Like, I'm not really ashamed of it or scared to share about it. At this point, I've everybody has stuff they deal with so I'd rather be vocal about it and um, have people be able to learn more about it because of me so like after Nick um, was on the Eagles and they won the Super Bowl it got very public because he actually shared about it in during media week leading up to the Super Bowl and he came home one day and he's like FYI your platform's starting like he literally just said it like that like it was like hey how are you doing today and I was like wait what like I'm like changing Lily's diaper. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I just said, I, I don't know. It just came out like in all my interviews today, when I was talking about like our journey to get to this point, like I talked about POTS and I shared it because it needs to be shared. And I was like, okay, like, thanks. Um, whatever that means, you know, but it kind of exploded and was in all kinds of articles and 
I mean, this isn't the type of thing where we're like, oh, let's get famous because you're sick. And, you know, it wasn't like, this is so exciting. Like, this is something that is like pretty awful for me to deal with most of the time. So I, it, it kind of exploded. It was like everywhere. Um, but because of it, like so many, I, thousands of messages of people like, my mom believes me now that I'm actually sick because she saw your story because a lot of people, it's an invisible illness. You can't see it on the outside. So people have people that don't believe them. And that could be with a lot of illnesses and autoimmune disease and stuff internal, Mm. um, stuff like that. Or I, I got diagnosed because of you or thank you. Like I, like knowing that someone like you has it, like makes me have hope or just like all kinds of stuff, you know? And, um, I spoke at a conference for dysautonomia, which is the greater term for dysfunction of the autonomic nervous system. And it just like, it just went to a lot of, a lot of different things. So I'm uh, forgetting what your main question even was, but <laughs> yeah, it, it led to a lot where, you know, God, you, you, you just feel God with you and that there is a purpose. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it is being okay with that purpose and accepting that purpose and not wishing it was something else, you know? That's a good word. I mean, I feel like, because it's vulnerable, right? To share with people, like, this is my, like, daily struggle. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't maybe electively your choice, it was Nick's on your behalf. I think oftentimes, sometimes we need somebody else to kind of stand in the gap for us. And I feel like he's done that. It just sounds like a lot in your spiritual journey. He mm-hmm. was the backbone of your faith and the onboarding of POTS. And then when he felt like you were probably at a point of, like, maturity to share spiritually, he kind of like onboarded you onto that. And I just, I don't know. I think it's really neat to have um, a partner in life that just really like sees your potential beyond self, you know? And he just was right. Yeah. I think it's really kind of both God and Nick to say like, this is your moment. And I just, I applaud you for not cowering. And I mean, cause again, nobody wants to be put on a platform for sickness per se, but I think I'm assuming, and I don't want to speak for you, but what was, was there a scripture or something that kept you like, in this like um, posture of just like, this isn't about me. This isn't about pots. Mm-hmm. Like this is an opportunity to like magnify the assigner of pots on my life. You know, like what, what made you want to keep saying yes to responding to people who asked about it or even like inviting people into your journey? Was it a default scripture? Was it, um, I don't know what kind of, what did that look like per se? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, I think mostly what, what made it is knowing that, you don't want to wait. I don't want to waste a trial or waste like something difficult that God throws in my direction because it's not, it's not to be wasted. It's not, it's not there for a waste. It's not just there for fun. It's clearly not fun. So it's there for a reason. And that, that is what life's about. Life is temporary. We are not here for eternity. We are here on assignment. So if that's my assignment for this whole time I'm here, I have to be okay with that. Or maybe that's just an assignment and I will be healed. And then there's going to be a new assignment eventually. So I think part of it was just being able to, there's so many people with POTS out there that are so much more ill than I am, like can't even get out of bed. But there's some people that are in that position. Yes, because their disease might be worse because of the the range of severity, but also because they don't believe and they don't do the work necessary to get to the next level. It takes a lot of work to manage dysautonomia, to manage any chronic illness. It's almost unfair because it's like you have this illness, yet you have to work this much harder than the average person to just go through your day. 
and it's like, wait, why do I have to work so much harder when I have this, this block there that is in my way? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think to try to instill hope in people that it is possible, it's possible to have children. It's harder, but if you, that's what you want and that's God's will for your family. And that's, you know, God is going to bless you with children. Like it is possible. Um, I could easily sit there tomorrow and be like, no, it's not possible because there's too many days where I'm too tired. There's too many days where it's hard to be on my feet for too long. There's too, like, how am I going to take care of someone else when I have so much to take care of with myself? Because God provides, God, God will, whatever God is, God's will is for your family and what he's putting in your path, he's then going to provide and make it possible. He's not going to give you something that's literally impossible and it's just going to crush you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be possible without him, but it, it it is possible if you put um, your faith and in him. And I feel like that's kind of what I wanted to show. Like, don't sell yourself short because of a disease or because of an illness. Yeah. Um, be, just because you might not be doing something like, I don't know, starting a business where it's like so visible to everyone that like, oh my gosh, she did that. Look what she invented or created. I'm just using an example. Yeah. Maybe it's more something that, you're just going throughout your day and you're, you know, following God's call for your life, raising little kids, doing it to the best of your ability. And nobody else might know the hurdles in your way that it takes just to do that. But God does. And that's what's most important. Um, and if that's your assignment and he's providing you what it makes possible to do that, like that's kind of what I wanted to get across. And my point there was that might not be get shown to like, I don't know, maybe someone like you or like other women that I'm on the same team with because they don't know the extent of the illness, but the people that God was putting me on a platform for that did know the illness and how difficult it was. And then the things that they were seeing me do like, Oh my gosh, she has a baby. Oh my gosh, she's having another kid. How does she do that? I wanted them to know that it's possible and it's possible because of God. And it's possible because of like the work and the the obstacles that you push out of the way. If if you believe, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's a good word. I think um, even something you're highlighting, which is ironic, we've been studying um, the book of James, right? This season with mm-hmm. our, our women and there's a discipline of secrecy and it's kind of this idea of like, I mean, this is a little bit more detailed, but in the sense that like, would you still celebrate God in the highs and lows if nobody was watching? Would you still like be his mouthpiece if it was on a platform for 1 million or a platform for one? So I feel like what you're sharing, even in that, it's like, whatever your assignment is, whatever season you're in, like there's purpose in it, whether it's a, um, a lifelong illness, whether it's, um, you know, postpartum motherhood, whether it's who knows. Um, but I just think your perspective of just having such a hope filled outlook because it's, there's intention with, I just like the language of assignment. There's intention with every assignment for us followers of Jesus. Like it just gives you more like urgency to just be a mouthpiece and not cower back. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's good, Tori. I mean, it's, I just, I, honestly, to be very transparent, I have never even heard of POTS until I met you. Yeah. And I don't think people comprehend, um, not that you're looking for adoration and celebration, but there is, there are crazy deep struggles in and around it. And I think even just to, to sit and have a conversation about it in hindsight, you probably look at the last like eight-ish years and you're like, oh my gosh, like look at how far I've come as a, you're almost like this walking survivor. Like you've learned how to handle it. And I just, I think your abiding faith of like, no days are guaranteed. Tomorrow could be 
a total 180 on my health. Mm -hmm. However, there's this like underbelly of assurance that God is still sovereign in your illness. And that's, that's a crazy, awesome testimony in and of itself. All right. So let's bring your faith walk home with this last thought. What is, and I'm sure it goes in peaks and valleys depending on like what you're walking in, but has there for this season of life, um, has there been a scripture that's been your default um, go-to? And you don't, you can share why if you'd like or not, just what, um, what is God like highlighting in the Bible this season to you specifically? Yeah, I, I think definitely my, I mean, there's so many, right? And there's so many on the same topics that can be, I wish I could know them all and remember them all and just say them all day. But I think the, um, the main one would be Romans 5, 3 through 4. Um, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Um, I just love that one because like suffering and trials, struggles, thorns in your side, whatever you want to call it, are 100% inevitable. Like there's not a person that doesn't have them. Um, and it's fully, I know everyone's heard this, but it's fully like your response and your, your reaction to it. And I think in a deeper level of it, just believing that, believing that suffering can actually be good. Um, and can actually be for your good, like believing that with your whole heart is really important and is like one of the most valuable lessons I feel like anyone can learn because there's, you're not going to be without them. So, and from a practical standpoint, like for me, like still dealing with this every day, believing that it's actually for my good right now and that my life, what's in front of me right now, my responsibilities, um, are possible even though i deal with it and that maybe they're even made better because of it and i think that's been huge for me like obviously it can be hard to raise two little ones when you don't feel the best all the time um but it's taught me discipline it's taught me things that i've been able to bring into motherhood that i would have never brought in if it wasn't for it mm -hmm. um and sometimes you'll be frustrating you'll be like yeah but i would i would have other ways you know, that doesn't mean this needs to happen. Like I would have other ways to do it and it would be better. And it's easy to go there. Um, but that isn't, that isn't the reality. And that isn't, God allowed this. And I don't know why he allowed it. And I might never know, maybe I'll know someday. Um, but there are so many beautiful things that I'm able to see, you know, in this journey because of this illness that I deal with. Um, and so many ways, that I'm grateful for it because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the mother I am in certain ways or the spouse I am. I wouldn't be there to talk to Nick about perseverance or about, you know, giving advice after a difficult week or an injury or whatever. I literally wouldn't have the words to say if I wasn't going through what I'm going through every day. Um, so believing that verse fully, having faith in it and really believing it with all your heart that it can actually be for your good while you're in it is really important. And I feel like if we could all learn that and abide by that, you know, we just have a lot more hope. So yeah. no, I yeah. think it's kind of, it's weird to say God's kind to like give us suffering and trials in this life. However, um, not my words, but like many theologians say, like, it just, you get to like emulate his son. You get to kind of get a glimpse into what like he suffered on our behalf. And if we really right. have that mindset, easier said than done when you're in the thick of a trial. But um, 
that's like the beautiful thing of sanctification. We're becoming more like him, even in the grossest of trials. So I just, um, yeah, I think it's, I mean, again, for those of you who don't know anything about POTS, and I hopefully I'm not doing what Nick did to you again, but Tori is a resource. Um, she is an advocate in and around the disease and the illness. And I just would encourage you guys, like, yeah, I mean, if you ever want to know more about her story, I, I can almost assure you that she'd be willing to lend any information or just counsel or feedback, because I think it's been fun, in air quotes, watching her just conquer it one day at a time, but in humility, submit to... Um, there are seasons when there are bad days and you're just very transparent in that and it's refreshing. And, um, it's weird to think back and say like, I'm so thank thankful that you've been able to experience it because I think your underbelly of faith is beautiful and it's real and it's, you'll walk through the emotions of the flesh in it. However, your dependency on God above all else is one that needs to be celebrated. So, um, thank you. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for just being, Tori, you're just such a, a light on so, for so many different reasons, but even in this one of a chronic illness, I mean, it's, I just don't think people comprehend sometimes having the perspective of a vertical relationship at all times, easier said than done can help maybe conquer those hurdles that are physically in and around you. So I just, I think your testimony is one of celebration and I just, I appreciate your time this morning. You are, you're awesome. Thank you. Seriously. All Thank right, my you friend, so much, Molly. No, I appreciate you, and I'm excited to share more of you with whoever tunes in. Thank you, Mallory. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Recalibrated Podcast with Mallory Brown. This podcast is part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories intersecting sports and faith, check out sportsspectrum.com.